Hello, 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 everyone. This is definitely what I want to say to you all. This is the adult me when it comes to religion. So, I'm a person who experiences multiple aspects of my character. So I am a free thought, sometimes called free thought, with a space between them or indent between them. Um, My being free thought is my epistemological viewpoint, which holds that beliefs of mine and of others should not be formed on the basis of authority, tradition, revelation, or dogma, and that beliefs of mine and others should instead be reached by other methods such as logic, reason, and empirical observation. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, a free thinker like me is a person who forms my own ideas and opinions rather than accepting those of other people, especially in religious teachings. In some contemporary thought in particular, my free thought is strongly tied with rejection of traditional social or religious belief systems. The cognitive application of free thought pertaining to me is known as free thinking in quotations and practitioners of free thought like myself are known as free thinkers in quotations. Modern free thinkers like me consider free thought to be a natural freedom from all negative and elusive thoughts acquired from society. The term first came into use in the 17th century in order to refer to people like myself who inquired into the basis of traditional beliefs, which were and are often accepted unquestionably. And by the way, I still inquire into the basis of traditional beliefs. Today, my free thinking is most closely linked with deism, secularism, atheism, agnosticism, humanism, anti-clericalism, and religious critique. I want to clarify something. Um, I am for the human uh, egalitarianism of people of faith. So my being anti does not mean dehumanization. It does not mean warfare. On the contrary, I am talking about the multiple sides of myself. I have a deism side, I have a secularism side, I have an atheism side, I have a Gnosticism side, I have a humanism side, I have a religious critique side, and sometimes I'm so angry, uh, wholesomely speaking, at clergy persons for allowing um, abusive hypocrisy to continue that sometimes there are times where I'm anti-clericalism. And so, the Oxford English Dictionary defines my free thinking as 
the free exercise of reason in matters of religious belief, unrestrained by deference to authority, the adoption of the principles of the free thinker. So that would be me. Free thinkers like me hold that knowledge should be grounded in facts, scientific inquiry, and logic. The skeptical application of science implies freedom from the intellectual limiting effects of confirmation bias, cognitive bias, conventional wisdom, popular culture, urban myth, prejudice, sectarianism, which I reject them all. What that means is I reject confirmation bias, I reject cognitive bias, I reject conventional wisdom, I reject popular culture, I reject urban myths, I reject prejudice, I reject sectarianism, because it's all about one-track mindedness, which I reject, small-mindedness, I reject, narrow-mindedness, I reject, close-mindedness, I reject. Um, Now, some people would say that there are two major flaws of free thought, which are that majority of human epistemic interactions with the world are based on belief alone, example, existence of the world, other minds, existence of past, memory, etc. And secondly, that free thought itself is not based on logical reason or empirical observations. There's no way to logically or reasonably derive that free thought is deontologically valid. This is what I say. For me, my free thought has nothing to do with world domination. My free thought is not a proponent of the rigidity of viewpoints. My free thought is about intellectual humility as the centerpiece. Which also means that once I learned that I was wrong on something, I no longer go back to what I was thinking previously. Once I'm proven wrong, I change my perspectives. And when it comes to the evidence and the evidence of the evidence. So my free thought is is intellectually humble when it comes to the existence of the world. My free thought is intellectually humble when it comes to other minds. My my free thought is intellectually humble when it comes to existence of the past. And my free thought is intellectually humble when it comes to memory and so on and so forth. Um, I dare say that my free thought itself is based on logic, reason, and empirical observation. But my logic, reason, empirical observation are all rooted within intellectual humility. Um, so my free thought is actually deontologically valid because I lack intellectually rigid boundaries and I lack intellectually collapsed boundaries too. And then it says, and such free thought can only be warranted through exercise of circular logic, 
Hence, any statements supported free thinking are bound to beg the question. Well, I wouldn't say my logic is circular. I would say that my logic travels in the correct directions. And because I live life with other people, there are times where I'm mistaken and I change the direction of my logic because I get logical information, which means that what I thought was the right way now I recognize it's the wrong way, so I don't go the wrong way anymore. Now I go the right way. And so my logic is an even kill, slow, steady, and surely. My logic is not a zigzag. My logic is not a roller coaster. And my logic is filled with intellectual gratitude. Like I'm thankful for the constructive criticism in the form of people who mean me well in the form of experiences that are meant to um, build my character more into nobility and to keep my nobility as a character intact because I have a positive people tribe that I'm building. Let me keep going. Atheist author, author Adam Lee defines free thought as thinking which is independent of revelation, tradition, established belief, and authority, considers it as a quote-unquote broader umbrella that then atheism that embraces a rainbow on unorthodoxy, religious dissent, skepticism, and unconventional thinking. To make it more personal, atheist author Adam Lee defines my free thought as my thinking, which is independent of revelation, tradition, established belief, and authority, and I consider it, just like Adam Lee, to be a quote-unquote broader umbrella than atheism because I'm embracing a rainbow on orthodoxy, religious dissent, skepticism, and unconventional thinking. The basic summarizing statement of the essay, The Ethics of Belief by the 19th century British mathematician and philosopher William Kingdom Clifford is, it is, all, it is wrong always everywhere if for anyone to believe anything upon insufficient evidence. So that is what I'm sensitive to. That would, I feel that way. Um, the essay becomes a rallying cry for thinking prefer free thinkers like me when published in the 1870s and has been described as a point when free thinkers like me grab the moral high ground. Now with that I am not a moralist in the traditionalist sense. I am a human rights moralist. The only time we become moralists is when the do no harm principle is clearly and evidentially violated. Other than that we are living let live type of people. Then it says, Clifford was himself an organizer of free thought gatherings, a driving force behind the Congress of Liberal Thinkers held in 1878. Regarding religion, free thinkers like me typically hold that there is insufficient evidence to support the existence of supernatural phenomena. According to the Freedom from Religion Foundation, no one could be a free thinker like me who demands conformity to a Bible, creed, and Messiah. To the free thinker like me, revelation and faith are invalid, and unorthodoxy is no guarantee of truth. And um, 
Freethinkers like me are convinced that religious claims have not withstood the test of reason. Not only is there nothing to be gained by believing in untruth, but there's everything to lose when we sacrifice the indispensable tool of reason on the altar of superstition. Most free thinkers consider religion, most free thinkers like we consider religion to be not only untrue, but harmful. Um, however, philosopher Bertrand Russell wrote the following in his 1944 essay, The Value of Free Thought. What makes a free thinker is not their beliefs, but the way in which they hold them. If they hold them because their elders told them they were true when they were young, or if they hold them because if they did not, they would be unhappy, this thought is not free. Their, thought, their thoughts are not free. But if they hold them because after careful thought, they found a balance of evidence in their favor, then their thoughts are free. However, odd their conclusions may seem. Bertrand Russell's value of free thought, how to become a truth seeker and break the chains of mental slavery from the first paragraph. The whole first paragraph of the essay makes it clear that a free thinker like me is not necessarily an atheist or agnostic as long as they satisfy this definition. The person who is free in any respect is free from something. What is a free thinker free from? To be worthy of the name, they must be free of two things. The force of tradition and the tyranny of their own passions. No one is completely free from either, but in the measure of a person's emancipation, they deserve to be called a free thinker. For me, there's no tyranny when it comes to me. And I, I don't make tradition headship over me at all. And it says, uh, for me, it says that um, Fred Edwards, former executive of the American Humanist Association, suggests that by Russell's definition, liberal religionists, whom I get along with very well, who have challenged established orthodoxies can be considered free thinkers. I agree. On the other hand, according to Bertrand Russell, atheists slash agnostics are not necessarily free thinkers. As an example, he mentions Stalin, whom he compares to a pope. What I what I am concerned with is the doctrine of the modern communistic party of the Russian government to which it owes allegiance. According to this doctrine, the world develops on the lines of a plan called dialectical materialism, first discovered by Karl Marx embodied in the practice of a great state by Lenin and now expounded from day to day by a church of which Stalin is the Pope. Free discussion is to be prevented wherever the power to do so exists. If this doctrine and this organization prevail, free inquiry will become as impossible as it is with the Middle Ages and the world will relapse to bigotry and obscuritanism. Um, okay, I want to say that I'm not here to destroy the humanity of religious people. Um, obviously, there's a difference between um, Vatican popes and dictators like Stalin. Um, what Bertrand Russell was trying to say is that a, a, a person like, a, a monster like Stalin um, had a power that he felt was similar to 
the Vatican Popes, but even Vatican Popes, they can't be dictators because um, dictatorship is considered a sin in the Christian pathway. Even though, yes, the the Vatican has a history in terms of its own scandals, as we know, even they have limits. Because if they decided to obviously become a dictator, it would be an uproar. And it would cause a lot of religious wars, religious violence. So that's why a big reason that they pump the brakes on total dictatorship and totalitarian authoritarianism, even though there were many... I mean, Vatican does have some... Some people who were of authoritarianism, totalitarianism, and dictatorships and dictatorial regimes and being tyrannical in the form of of these abusers of other adults and of children. And I'm not disparaging Catholicism when I say that. I can understand why Bertrand Russell said it. However, Stalin and a Vatican Pope. Stalin had no limits. The Vatican actually has some limits where, no, if you try to be like Stalin, I'm not saying, I'm not making fun of atheists or agnostics when I say that, but we're talking about a dictator. Atheists or agnostics are not dictators. We're just talking about Stalin. So you can't be a Stalin and be in the Vatican Pope, a Vatican Pope for very long. Mm-hmm. And, and this, so that's what, so many atheists and agnostics are free thinkers. I just want to clear that up. Um, and not, and many free thinkers are atheists and agnostics. However, some agnostics and some agnostics, some agnostics, some atheists would not see themselves as free thinkers. And some free thinkers are atheists and agnostic. Some free thinkers are not atheists. Some free thinkers are not agnostic. And, like I said for the last time, some atheists are free thinkers, some are not, some agnostics are free thinkers, and some are not. Everyone's different. So I'm talking about Bertrand Russell, the value of free thought, how to become a truth seeker and break the chains of mental slavery. In the 18th and 19th century, many free thinkers regarded as free thinkers were deists, arguing that the nature of God can only be known from a study of nature rather than from religious revelation. In 18th century, deism was much of a dirty word as atheism. Deists were often stigmatized either atheists or at least as free thinkers by their Christian opponents. Deists today regard themselves as free thinkers, but are now arguably less prominent in the free thought movement than atheists. Hmm. Yeah, I get along with deists pretty well. Um, and I get along atheists and Gnostics pretty well. So characteristics among free thinkers like me, for a notion to be considered true, it must be testable, verifiable, and logical. Many free thinkers like me tend to be humanists because we base morality on human needs and I do find meaning in human compassion, social progress, art, personal happiness, love, and the furtherance of knowledge. Generally, free thinkers like me like, I like to think for myself I tend to be skeptical. I respect critical thinking and reasoning. I remain open to new concepts and I'm sometimes 
proud of my own individuality. Not arrogant proud, but I am definitely proud to be who I am. And the name is humility and gratitude. I would I I would determine truth for myself based upon knowledge I gain, answers I receive, experiences I have, and the balance they thus acquire. Free thinkers like me reject conformity for the sake of conformity, whereby I create my own beliefs by considering the way the world around me works and I would possess the intellectual integrity and courage to think outside of accepted norms, which mean, which may lead some of us free thinkers to believe in some higher power and for some of us free thinkers not to believe in a higher power. Everybody's different on that. So let me tell you all the sides of who I am and when it comes to all the secular parts who I am, I'm just being honest. So I have a deism side of me. Deism is the philosophical position in rationalistic theology that generally rejects revelation as a source of divine knowledge. And so the empirical reason and observation of the natural world are exclusively logical, reliable, and sufficient to determine the existence of supreme being as the creator of the universe. Or more simply stated, deism is the, is the belief in the existence of God solely based on rational thought without any reliance on revealed religions or religious authority. Deism emphasizes the concept of natural theology that is God's existence and fulfilled through nature. Since the 17th century and during the Age of Enlightenment, especially in 18th century England, France, and North America, various Western philosophers and theologians formulated a critical rejection of the several religious texts belonging to the many organized religions and began to appeal only to truths that they felt could be established by reason as exclusive source of divine knowledge. Such philosophers, theologians were called deists in the philosophical slash theological position they advocate is called deism. Deism, as a distinct philosophical intellectual movement, declined toward the end of the 18th century, but had its own revival in the early 19th century. Some of its tenets continue, continue as part of other intellectual and spiritual movements like Unitarianism. And deism continues to have advocates today, including with modern variants such as Christian deism and pantheism. So now, I, you know that I have that side of me. Let me be even more controversial. I have an atheism side of me. Atheism in the broadest sense is an absence of belief in the existence of deities. Less broadly, atheism is a rejection of the belief that any deities exist. And in an even narrower sense, atheism is specifically the position that there are no deities. Atheism is contrasted with theism, which in its most general form is the belief that at least one deity exists. The first individuals who identified themselves as atheists lived in the 18th century during the Age of Enlightenment. The French Revolution, noted for its unprecedented atheism, witnessed the first significant political movement in history to advocate for the supremacy of human reason. In 1967, Albania declared itself the first official atheist country according to its policy of state Marxism. Okay, I want to make it clear. Atheism should not be automatically equated with Marxism. Okay, don't do not. Because then you're trying to say that atheism are, are just lousy humans. And I say, fuck that. Because I call bullshit on that. And it says, arguments for atheism range from philosophical to social and historical approaches. Rationales for not believing in deities include the lack of evidence, the problem of evil, the problem of hell, uh, the problem of suffering, the argument from inconsistent revelations, the rejection of concepts that cannot be falsified, and the argument from non-belief. 
Non-believers like me contend that atheism is a more parsimonious position than theism. That everyone is born without belief, without beliefs in deities. Therefore, they argue that the burden of proof lies not on the atheists to disprove the existence of gods, but on the theists to provide a rationale for theism. Although some atheists have adopted secular philosophy, for example, secular humanism, that would be me, by the way, I've adopted secular humanism, there's no ideology or code of conduct to which all atheists adhere. Since conceptions of atheism vary, accurate estimations of current number of atheists are difficult. Scholars have indicated that global atheism may be in decline due to irreligious countries having the lowest birth rates in the world and religious countries having higher birth rates in general. There's enough atheists for the world to go around. Because if we're more open to, you don't need to procreate for humanity to be successful. There's enough of us humans around. We're going to be just fucking fine. Okay, I also have an agnostic side of me. Agnosticism is the view or belief that the existence of God, of the divine, of the supernatural is unknown or unknowable. Another definition provided is the view that human reason is incapable of providing sufficient rational grounds to justify either the belief that God exists or the belief that God does not. The English biologist Thomas Henry Huxley coined the word agnostic in 1869 and said it simply means that a man shall not say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that is such heteronormative language, please forgive me. Wind it back. The English biologist Thomas Henry Huxley coined the word agnostic in 1869 and said, it simply means that a person shall not say they know or believe that which they have no scientific grounds for professing to know or believe. Earlier thinkers, however, had written works that promoted agnostic points of view, such as Sanjaya Bela Thaputa, a 5th century BCE Indian philosopher who expressed agnosticism in the afterlife, and Protagoras, a 5th century BCE Greek philosopher who expressed agnosticism about the existence of the gods. So, I have more to say. This is really controversial, but I'm just getting it out. Let's just, let's air this out. <sighs> okay, this is the best way. Uh, describe my humanism side of me. <sighs> A lot of people don't want to admit there are multiple sides of them. And I said, I'm going to not lie about what I am. So here, here are all of my humanism sides of me. Here we go. The court, this, these are all the definitions coming from the American Human Association's website. Humanism is a progressive philosophy of life that without theism of the supernatural beliefs affirms our ability and responsibility to lead ethical lives a personal fulfillment that aspires to the greater good. Humanism is a rational philosophy informed by science, inspired by art, and motivated by compassion, affirming the dignity of each human being that supports the maximization of individual liberty and opportunity consonant with social and planetary responsibility. It advocates the extension of participatory democracy and the expansion of the open society standing for human rights and social justice. Free of supernaturalism, recognizing the things they part of nature and holds that values, be they religious, ethical, social, political, have their source in human experience and culture. 
humanism thus derives the goals of life from human need and interest rather than from theological ideological abstractions and asserts that humanity must take responsibility for its own destiny, the Humanist Magazine. Humanism is a democratic and ethical life stance which affirms that human beings have the right responsibility to give meaning and shape to their own lives. It stands for the building of a more humane society through an ethics based on human other natural values and a spirit of reason and free inquiry through human capabilities. It's not theistic. It does not accept supernatural views of reality. That's Humanist International. The Bristol Humanist Group. Humanism is an approach to life based on reason and our common humanity, recognizing that moral values are properly founded on human nature and experience alone. The Humanist Society of Western New York says, Humanism is a joyous alternative to religions that believe in supernatural God and life in the here after. Humanists believe that this is the only life of which we have certain knowledge and that we owe it to ourselves and others to make it the best life possible for ourselves all of with whom we share this fragile planet. A belief that when people are free to think for themselves using reason and knowledge as their tools, they are best able to solve this world's problems. Appreciation of the art, literature, music, and crafts that are heritage from the past and of the creativity that, if nourished, can continuously enrich our lives. Humanism is, in some, a philosophy of those in love with life. Humanists take responsibility for their own lives and relish the adventure of being part of new discoveries, seeking new knowledge, exploring new options. Instead of finding solace in prefabricated answers to the great questions of life, humanists enjoy the open-endedness of a quest and the freedom of discovery that this entails. Human Society of Western New York, I say again. Beth Chambers, former president of the American Human Association, AHA, says, Humanism is the light of my life and the fire in my soul. It is the deep-felt conviction in every fiber of my being that human loves a power far transcending the relentless onward rush of our largely deterministic cosmos. All human life must seek a reason for existence within the bounds of the uncaring physical world and is love coupled with empathy, democracy, and commitment to selfless service which undergirds the faith of the humanist. Steve Schaefersman said, Humanism is a philosophy world through a life stance based on naturalism. The conviction that the universe and nature is all that exists or is real. Humanism serves for many humanists some of the psychological social functions of religion, but without beliefs in deities, transcendental entities, miracles, life after death, and the supernatural. Humanists seek to understand the universe by using science and its methods of critical inquiry, logical reasoning, empirical evidence, and skeptical evaluation of conjectures and conclusions to obtain reliable knowledge. Humanists affirm that humans have the freedom to give meaning, value, and purpose to their lives by their own independent thought, free inquiry, and responsible creative activity. Humanists stand for the building of a more humane, just, compassionate, and democratic society using a pragmatic ethics based on human reason, experience, and reliable knowledge, an ethics that judges the consequences of human actions by the well-being of all life on Earth. And lastly, Joseph C. Sommer says... Humanism is a philosophy of life that considers the welfare of humankind rather than the welfare of the supposed god or gods to be of paramount importance. Humanism maintains that there is no evidence of supernatural power ever needed or wanted anything for people ever communicated to them or even interfered with the laws of nature to assist or harm anyone. Humanism's focus then is on using human efforts to meet human needs and wants in this world. History shows that those efforts are most effective when they involve both compassion and the scientific method, which includes reliance on reason, evidence, and free inquiry. Humanism says people can find purpose in life and maximize their long-term happiness by developing their talents and using those talents for the service of humanity. 
in this belief that this approach to life is more productive and leads to a deeper and longer lasting satisfaction than a hedonistic pursuit of material or sensual pleasures that seem vague. While service to others the major focus of humanism, recreation and relaxation are not ignored, for these two are necessary for long-term health and happiness. The key is moderation in all things. Humanism considers the universe to be the result of an extremely long and complex evolution under immutable laws of nature. Humanists views this natural world as wondrous and precious and as offering limitless opportunities for exploration, fascination, creativity, companionship, and joy. Because science cannot now and probably never will be able to explain the ultimate origin or destiny of the universe, I think humanism can include more than atheists and agnostics. The lack of definite answers to these ultimate questions leaves room for reasonable people to hypothesize about the origin of the natural universe and even to hope for some form of life beyond this one. In fact, two of humanists' greatest luminaries, Thomas Paine and Robert Ingersoll, maintain a hope for an afterlife. On the issue of whether God exists, Ingersoll was agnostic and Paine believed in a deistic God who established the laws of nature, but then stepped away and never intervenes in the world. Those beliefs do not interfere with their ability to lead outstanding humanistic lives. Thus, in my opinion, people holding such views can be humanist if they believe that humanity is on its own in this world and the lack of any evidence for an afterlife means this life should be lived as though it's the only one we have. Note, these definitions of humanism are provided for the education and interests of readers. The AHA, American Human Association, does not necessarily agree with or advocate anyone except the definition printed first above, officially approved by the AHA Board of Directors. So I have those, I have the humanist side, and we're just being honest about every side of who I am and what I've experienced. And so, religious critique, criticism of religion. I have a criticism of religion side of me. Criticism of religion involves criticism of the, of the validity, concept, or ideas of religion. Historical records of criticism of religion go back to at least 5th century BCE in ancient Greece and ancient in Athens society with Diagoras, the atheist of Milos. In ancient Rome, an early known example of Lucretius, the rare Rome natural from the 1st century BCE. Every exclusive religion on earth, as well as every exclusive worldview that promotes exclusive truth, claims necessarily denigrates the truth claims of other religions. Thus, some criticism of religion become criticism of one or more aspects of a specific religious tradition. Critics of religion in general may be religion as one or more of outdated, harmful to the individual, harmful to society, an impediment to the progress of science or humanity, a source of immoral acts or customs, and a political tool for social control. So I have a religious critique side of me, as you know, and I sometimes I admit when I'm frustrated with the abuse of actually religion, I have an anti-clericalism side of me. Anti-clericalism is opposition to religious authority, typically in social political matters. Historically, anti-clericalism has mainly been opposed to the influence of Roman Catholicism, the Vatican. Anti-clericalism is related to secularism, which seeks to separate the church from public and political life. Some have opposed clergy on the basis of moral corruption, institutional issues of clash disagreements, and religious interpretation, such as during the Protestant Reformation. Anti-clericalism became extremely violent during the French Revolution because revolutionaries claimed the church played a pivotal role in the systems of oppression which led to it. I'm not advocating any violence or murder 
or threats that happen to clerics nor clergy people. I'm talking about I can feel my emotions and at the same time, I am not destructive with my emotions. Here we go. Many clerics were killed in French revolutionary governments tried to put priests under the control of the state by making them employees. Anti-clericalism appeared in Catholic Europe during the, throughout the 19th century. There swarms later in Canada, Cuba, and Latin America. According to a few research centers, several post-communist states have current practitioners political anti-clericalism, including Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, Vietnam, China, and North Korea. Again, I am not advocating for the human rights violations, abuses, and atrocities of clerics and clergy people. No, that's never. I would never advocate such things. And okay, since we're being honest here, I have a secular Buddhism side of me. Secular Buddhism, sometimes also referred to as agnostic Buddhism, Buddhist agnosticism, agnostic Buddhism, atheistic Buddhism, pragmatic Buddhism, Buddhist atheism, or Buddhist secularism, is a broad term for a form of Buddhism based on humanist, skeptical, and agnostic values valuing pragmatism, rationality, and often naturalism, eschewing beliefs in the supernatural or paranormal. It can be described as the embrace of Buddhist rituals and philosophy for their secular beliefs by people who are atheist or agnostic. So I have a rationalist, pragmatic part of who I am. I, yes, I'm a pragmatist and not. Uh, secular Buddhists interpret the teachings of the Buddha and the Buddhist text in a rationalist and often evidentialist manner. Yes, I'm an evidentialist too sometimes. Considering the historical and cultural context of the times in which the Buddha lived in which the various sutras and tantras were written, the secular Buddhist framework strips Buddhist doctrine of various traditional beliefs that could be considered superstitious or that cannot be tested through empirical research, such as supernatural beings such as divas, bodhisattvas, nagas, N-A, then they had a uh, uh, pronunciation mark above the A, G-A-S, pretas, Buddhists, etc., Meritage transference, transference, rebirth, and karma, Buddhist cosmology, including the existence of pure lands and tales, etc. Um, you do have traditional Buddhist ethical views regarding social issues, regarding social issues such as abortion and sexuality. May or may not be called into question as well. When some schools, especially Western Buddhists, want to take alternative stances. So for me. Obviously, I'm pro-choice, and I'm a practitioner of secular sex and secular sexuality, and I'm pro-abortion for people who are in need of abortion because of their unique situation. This is honesty. This is really good. I have a secular humanism side of me. Secular humanism is a philosophy, belief system, or life stance that embraces human reason, secular ethics, and philosophical naturalism, while specifically rejecting religious dogma, supernaturalism, superstition as the basis of morality and decision making. 
Secondly, it allows that human beings are capable of being ethical and moral without religion or belief in a deity. It does not, however, assume that humans are either inherently good or evil, nor does it present humans as being superior to nature. Rather, the human's life stands and decides the unique responsibility facing humanity and the ethical consequences of human decisions. Fundamental to the concept of secular humanism is the strongly held viewpoint that ideology, be it religious or political, must be thoroughly examined by each individual, not simply accepted or rejected on faith. Along with this, an essential part of secular humanism is a continually adapting search for truth, primarily through science and philosophy. Many secular humanists derive that moral codes from philosophy, utilitarianism, ethical naturalism, or evolutionary ethics, and some advocate a science of morality. Humanist International, founded by Julian Huxley and Jack Van Prague, is the world union of more than 100 humanist rationalists irreligious, atheist, bright, secular, ethical culture, and free thought organizations in more than 40 countries. The happy humanist recognizes the official symbol of humanism internationally, used by secular humanist organizations in every part of the world. Sometimes I have a parody religion side of me. For example, it's not a, for me, it's not about removing religious people from the human rights movement. No, religious people are humans, therefore they automatically belong in the human rights movement. But sometimes I admit, I do have a parody religion side of me. A parody religion or mock religion is a belief system that challenges spiritual convictions of others off through humor, satire, burlesque, literary, and ridicule. That's so that's so that's self-explanatory. So I can move forward from that. Um, sometimes I am so mad at religion when it comes to its mistreatment of people like me who are black and you know neurodivergent, neurodiverse, autistic, and you know, the child abuse history. So sometimes I have an anti-religious side and it just, oh, it, 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 it pisses me off. It irks the hell out of me. It irks the shit out of me. Anti-religion is opposition to religion. And it involves opposition to organized religion, religious practices, and religious institutions. The, the term anti-religion has also been used to describe opposition to specific forms of supernatural worship or practice, whether organized or not. The Soviet Union adopted the political ideology of Marxism, Leninism, and by extension, the policy of state atheism, which opposed the growth of religions. Entire religions take from distinct, specific positions such as atheism, lack of belief in deities, and anti theism, and opposition to belief in deities, although entire religions must be atheists or anti theists. I have an anti theism side of me. I'm, I, I'm just, yes, I'm doubtful sometimes. And I've learned to embrace these parts of me instead of pretending they don't exist. Okay, I have religious skepticism side to me that y'all are already privy to because of what I just said. Religious skepticism is a type of skepticism relating to religion. Religious skeptics question religious authority and not necessarily anti-religious, but skeptical of specific or all religious beliefs, slash, or practices. Socrates is one of the most prominent and first religious skeptics of whom there are records. He questioned the legitimacy of the beliefs of this time and the existence of the Greek gods. Religious skepticism is not the same as atheism or agnosticism. Some of the skeptics are deists or theists who reject the prevailing organized religion and counter or even all organized religion. 
wow. I am so proud of myself for my bravery because it it is scary. It's not easy to share all these parts of who I am. Okay, wow. I am. I have a non-theism side of me somehow. No, there's one more. Sometimes I have an irreligion side of me. Irreligion or non-religion, the absence of rejection of religion or indifference to it. Irreligion takes many forms, ranging from the casual and unaware to full-fledged philosophies such as atheism, agnosticism, secular humanism, anti-theism. Social scientists tend to define irreligion as a purely naturalistic worldview. I'm a naturalist at times. That excludes the belief in anything supernatural. The broadest and loosest definition serving as the upper limit is the lack of religious identification, though many non-identifiers express metaphysical and even religious beliefs. The narrowest and strictest describing to positive atheism. According to the Pew Research Center's 2012 Global Study, 230 countries and territories, 15% of the world's population does not identify with any religion. The population is religiously unaffiliated. I'm a part of that. Um, I'm a part of that community. Sometimes referred to as nuns, which I am, have grown significantly in recent years. Measurement of, irre- of irreligiosity requires great cultural sensitivity, especially outside the West, where the concepts of religion or the secular are not always rooted in local culture. So, I have a secularity side of me. I gotta keep reading. Secularity, also the secular secularness from Latin sacrum, worldly or of a generation, is a state of being unrelated or neutral regards to religion. Anything that does not have the explicit reference to religion, either negatively or positively, may be considered secular. Linguistically, a process by which anything becomes secular is named secularization, though the term is mainly reserved for the secularization of society. And any concept or ideology promoted secularly becomes secularism, a term generally applied to the ideology dictating no religious influence on the public sphere. Public sphere S-P-A-G-R-E. So yes, I have a secularism side of me. I have a secularization side of me. I have a secularization of society side of me. So now you know the other sides of who I am. So with that being said, I just want to say that I embrace all of my doubts. I embrace all of my religious skepticism because they all come from a standpoint of humility, gratitude, being a genuine intellectual, and it's all about compassionate empathy entirely on my part. 